don't know sports podcast. We have a phenomenal show really on the docket tonight. We have a very, very special guest. We ended up speaking with the one and only Brett Boone. That's right. The former Mariner, Brave, Red. I don't know where all he played. Twins. Twins. Where else? White Sox, maybe? I don't know. Finished his career with Twins. My favorite, Brett Bat-Flipping Boone. (laughs) Brett Bat-Flipping Boone is stopping by the show. And we talked to him a lot about kind of what's been going on with him and also getting his insight on a lot of the Astros drama that's been playing out plus his bold predictions for 2020 so make sure you stay tuned for that but i digress we have plenty to talk about we had an nba all-star game we had the xfl week two of course we're still going to talk about the astros and then we got boxing when's the last time we talked about boxing never first time no we talked i feel like were we never we weren't doing the show when mcgregor and mayweather fought did we no I think we had one boxing post. It was when that chubby guy knocked out the other guy, Ruiz. I can't. Yeah, Ruiz beat uh, Wilder. That's I, what happened. I, I did post on the anniversary of Tyson and Buster Douglas. <laughs> you did, and you also put the meme up that uh, Stanley from the Office was in Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> I'm telling you, of all the things that you've put out over the past year, that might be my favorite. Wow. I love The Office. All right. And I love Stanley from The Office. It did really well. And I feel like whenever I watch Biggie play basketball, it's what Stanley looks like when he plays basketball. Sorry, Biggs. I jiggle more. <laughs> well, let's let's go back. I worked this weekend, but the NBA All-Star game, I got to see the end of it. What were your thoughts on how they kind of changed how they did the scoring? It was a block, not a goaltend. It was a block, not a goaltend. That's what you're going to go with. It's not that it ended on a free throw or anything else. Talking about Giannis and LeBron, I'm saying it was a block, not a goaltend. I kind of like how the uh, – What are they? They ruled it a block, right? Goaltend. They ruled it a – I thought they ruled it a block. I only watched for 12 seconds, so I could (laughs) be wrong. All right, so let's move past that. All right, so we'll move past. The format itself, I'll be honest, I was watching it. I turned it off because it started out typical – no defense type all-star game. I was like, nah. Right. So I turned it. And then I guess I got bored and I flipped it back and I even really realized it was still on and it was happened to be the fourth quarter. And I text you. I was like, man, this fourth quarter. I was watching. Lit. I was watching. And you're like, I'm watching it. And then I was like seeing him playing defense. They were taking charges. And it was amazing. And I was like, this is what it's all about. And then it ended on a free throw. It ended on a free throw. It was kind of anticlimactic, don't you think? I agree with you. They should like like do a win by three or something. Like how we play it when we're at the the freaking gym, right? Like win by two, win by three. You, you can't end the game on a foul shot. No, that was terrible. Like they should just ban foul shots in the final minute. Other than that, I love the new format. Yeah, I mean, it made it competitive. We saw that, right? That's why we're pissed. Like, let's be honest. We're pissed about a free throw because it got competitive. Because they played hard. We were upset that that's what it came down to. And, and other than other than the ending, being able to win the game on a foul shot with no defense and all that, it was kind of bittersweet. But uh, overall, it was an improvement of where we've been. Yeah, definitely an improvement. And basically what they did was take a glorified pickup game and turn it into a real pickup game. So I liked it. Kawhi, MVP, baby. He was the MVP. He, he started out strong. <laughs> he did. He was doing that every every three that he made. Now, he started out good. I love the fact that he got it instead of LeBron. <laughs> I, I think we all probably enjoyed that to a certain amount. How did he spend that charity money? Well, 
I feel like there's I feel like there's a punchline I'm missing here because uh oh yeah, we saw Kawhi. He was at the strip club, wasn't he? That's yep. what the punchline is. I think I even showed you guys that. He I made already, it rain. I forgot what the joke was. Yeah, and you know what? That wasn't the charity money. That might have been his regular contract money. I'm not going to judge him. All right, aside, aside from the game itself, all right, so did you watch the NBA uh, celebrity game or the dunk contest? I didn't watch anything. So I need you guys to explain to me what happened in this right. dunk contest so, while on, everybody's so upset. Before we get into that, I'll, I, I didn't watch any of it. You I'm, know what? You, so other, you're like me. No, other than I started to watch the celebrity game because it was on a Friday. It was kicking off the weekend, and then they started announcing all the players, and I was like, there's only problem with the celebrity game is there's no real celebrities. Like, I don't know. Who was it? It was a bunch of people I'd never even heard of. Common was like the big name because he's okay. from Chicago. I know Common. But that's the big name. Uh, I'm so going like, to look that up. And it like Justin Bieber ain't coming out that tunnel. What about Kevin Hart? Was he in No. It? You know what I miss? You know what's better was MTV's Rock and Jock Basketball. Oh, well, yeah. They even had the 30-point basket. You remember that back in the I day? I remember. Where's Dan Cortez? <laughs> 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 Well, <laughs> that game I didn't care for. I turned it off. I didn't watch the slam dunk, nor did I watch the three-point shootout. But uh, So, Biggie, what, what did you see? The only thing I watched was the finals of the three-point contest between Devin Booker and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, who won it? We don't know sports, that's for sure. Well, I'm forgetting right now. Well, well. That didn't take long. Welcome back, Biggs. Well. You know what? The finals of the three-point contest were exciting because Devin Booker threw up 26 to start using where the the uh, new setup where they have the shot from each wing that's worth more than the money ball. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what happened? We were in the middle of a discussion and apparently epiphany. I don't care. I'm going back to the celebrity game now because in the meantime, while you were talking about this gibberish around the three-point contest, I found out that so we had Common, we had Bad Bunny, I don't know who the hell that is, Hannibal Burris, I know that person, Kane Brown, John Batiste, Alex Moffat, the chef Jose Andres. It's terrible. No one cares about this game. Who are these people? Exactly. Even Quentin Richardson was in it. It was Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, but it, it, it should be like the the no celebrity all star game. It was terrible. It was so terrible. Ron, who's Ronnie Two K? He's a marketing director at Two K. NBA NBA Two K. <laughs> they brought him in. That's how bad they were. They'd have been better bringing in retired NBA players and said, "This is the uh, let's have a legends game." Yeah, this is the <laughs> alumni game. I'd rather see a sixty year old Larry Bird out there playing. Yeah. Oh. Buddy Held was the three-point contest champion. Oh, Buddy Held. He I'm won? Sorry. He did in dramatic fashion. Why does, nobody, wait, why does nobody care about these events anymore? I think they're overplayed. When you think of the dunk contest, is there a dunk that really has not been done No, yet? the dunk contest I'm over with. It, it, it's a done deal. It's been played out for a lot of years, right? And they get like six chances to perform it. Well, and the other thing, they get multiple chances. And back when we were growing up, Jordan was in it, Vince Carter, Kobe Bryant. If the stars were in it, I think I would still look forward to right. watching it. I, I, I hate to agree with uh, Skip Bayless, but he says, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, LeBron owes it to the fans to do one dunk competition, which he's already passed his prime. But MJ did three dunk contests, Dude, and LeBron's never did one. He hasn't, has he? 
Not one. How do you never do one as as that guy? It, how do, I don't know because Kobe did it. LeBron or never did it. But you had MJ going against Dominique. You know what I mean? These right. guys are squaring off like best of the best. Mm. LeBron's insecure. He couldn't handle huh. the not winning. So just he another. Give me my participation <laughs> trophy. Just another reason why he's not the goat. Well, just like we're talking about slam dunk contest, uh, celebrity all star game. Mr. Brown was saying the stars aren't in it. If you want people to tune in, get big time, big name yeah, guys. Give me out Ice there. Cube. Give me, give me uh, Kevin Hart. Snoop Dogg. Give me Snoop Snoop Dogg. I don't know. He's playing center. <laughs> he's like six ten and one hundred and fifty pounds. Running up and down the court with a mask on, with a tube coming out of it. <laughs> He's like Bane, right? <laughs> you were all trouble before me. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Faux shizzle. <laughs> Faux shizzle. All right, so so obviously we're making a mockery of NBA All Star Weekend, which is terrible because. Like, actually, the game turned out to be pretty good. It, it was toward the end, like what you said, Mr. Brown. It was very competitive. It's better than a Pro Bowl, but that's not saying much. The Pro Bowl is garbage. Yeah. Like, for those who think we're just hating on the NBA, let's be honest. The NFL All-Star festivities are the worst of the worst. We just wish everything could be more like baseball. Oh, right? Wow. You just did it again. I, what? I've done got you hooked. Buddy. You have me hooked. But let's be honest, the fact – so NBA and Major League Baseball are similar. They do their all-star festivities in the middle of the season. But why is baseball just so much more damn fun? I don't know why. I mean, I feel like because the celebrities participate. Like all-star, the home run derby, you get the athletes and the, and the big names. Like the home run derby is their slam dunk competition, right? Right, and the big names show the up. The big names show up. And it, no. it ain't like uh, – this AAA prospect's coming up. He's a real power hitter. He's going to show off today. <laughs> well, it's exactly that. When your best player gets announced, he's in a home run derby. You're like, crap, I don't want him in it. He's going to go into a slump and the start of the second half. But the big names do it. Bryce Harper's won it when. Uh, like, they may not do it every year, but they'll at least do it once or twice. Yeah. You know. Remember- Josh Hamilton putting on a show. Absolutely. He didn't, he, he didn't end up winning. Hell, I remember Bobby Abreu putting on a show. <laughs> it's more like now from the developmental league. <laughs> from the Wichita Sharks. <laughs> if it were to be the same comparison, like you said, it would be AAA players. That's what you end up with in the NBA right. because it's guys who are only at All-Star Weekend to compete in that event. I blame, I, I blame Harold Miner for all this. I, I feel like he was the first guy. I was like, who? And everybody called him Baby Jordan. And then he was in the slam dunk com- competition. That was the last you ever heard of him. Isaiah Ryder. You ain't going to forget Harold Miner. You ever played NBA Jam? Harold Miner, baby. From Boy Downtown. <laughs> All right, so the NBA All-Star Weekend was a joke. Fair assessment? I agree. Absolutely. All right, time to move on. Well, other things that happened this past weekend was we did get to see week two of the XFL. And I got to tell you, the ratings are holding up. They're still over a couple million average throughout all the games that they had. Did you get a chance to see any of the action from the second week of this new league? The best action I saw this weekend, there was some good stuff on the field. They had their first double forward pass, but that <laughs> beer snake that was, a, was that the up beer in Seattle? Snake. Oh, no, that was in D.C. That's our team. Biggie, you weren't a part of this. Mr. Brown and I, we originally jumped on the Tampa Bay Vipers. 
We realized the error of our ways, but we put them all again because it was week one. And in week one, we determined that we were allowed to do that, right? right. We, we could say we don't need to be a Vipers fan. We were thinking of RKOs out of nowhere. We were thinking Vince of McMahon. XFL, wrestling, Vince McMahon, Randy Orton, Viper, right? Nope. We pulled the plug on that experiment, and now we're strictly DC Defender fans here. Are you with us on that? I can roll with that. DC Defenders rolling through. Cardell Jones, baby. Undefeated Cardell Jones. 2-0. I see a trip to Houston in our future. It's happening. Just to be clear, undefeated career Cardell Jones. He's never lost. Never lost a game. Never lost a single. Maybe in high school. I don't know. We're just talking about college or XFL. But all, all in all, the fact that they're still like, look, they were up against the NBA All Star Weekend we just talked about, which was hot garbage. They were up against the Daytona 500, which got rained out, but still, you know, people were tuned into that, and they still, you know, held their own. They had enough people show up and and walk. And then, hell, did you see Seattle? Their turnout yep. filled up the lower half of that damn sixty-five thousand seat stadium up there. That's amazing. What about old dude from the Colts, man? Talk oh. about your future MVP. So, so that's PJ Walker. Walker. I keep wanting to say Tucker, but that's Walker. the basketball player. PJ Walker, who Andrew Luck and Oliver Luck conspired to get him in the you league. Seen his highlights. So, like the the thing was, like week one, he was already like the talk of the league, right? Now we're in week two, so now we got this race. We got our boy with the DC Defenders, Cardell Jones, looking good, and now PJ Walker. Looking good. So either way you look at it, basically this league has kind of been decided by you have really good quarterbacks or kind of below average. Like, did you see the Matt McGloin halftime interview? I did not. How did it go? How did you guys not see this? I was telling Mr. Brown about this earlier. It was pretty much stick a mic in my face and say, well, it looks like you really struggled on offense in the first half. And then Matt McGloin goes, yeah, we really did suck. We need to rip up the entire playbook. The first half was terrible. We have to rewrite the entire game plan. Nothing's working. Everybody's a problem. Everything's a problem. Let's start from scratch. And he he didn't start the second half. He did not start the second <laughs> half. <laughs> but, but like, how can you not get behind that? That's that's the XFL. Let's stick a look. He would throw an interception, and thirty seconds later, they're on the bench with a mic in his grill, asking him what happened. Like, what happened in that last pass? He's like, well, I just really misread it. I thought the timing wasn't there, but I forced it anyway. Like, that's fantastic. I love the XFL. I mean, it's it's great. Like, people's, like, wondering what the competition is, right? Because you got Matt McGloin. He's been a backup <laughs> in the NFL for several years. Now he's a backup you, th- you think he's going to go in and dominate a league like this, right? Yep. He, he he made he, he went in and struggled and then he put his foot in his mouth and now he's probably out the door. <laughs> he's done. But my point is is that the competition's this good where just because you're an NFL backup, you're not going to be a superstar. You can't waltz in so here and start. The level of competition's great and this PJ Walker guy, I guarantee you he'll get a backup quarterback job in the NFL next season. Absolutely. And that's what and Cardinal Jones, is he not looking? Did you see the play? Where he's under pressure and he gets strip sacked, but then like spins around, picks up the ball and throws it 30 yards downfield like a freaking highlight tape. Like that's what's going to happen. The XFL is going to have to survive losing these guys because now they've given them a platform to kind of audition 
you know, they're going to be gone next year, right? Yeah, that's my one question. How do they replace them? And it's going to be with guys who are on that same boat. Landry Jones started this last week, didn't start the first week for uh, Bob's team. Well, he was hurt, team. though. He was hurt. Backup quarterback in the NFL, had a couple starts. He comes down, plays well. He'll be back to a backup quarterback like, next year. Like, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, are you not looking at these guys going, this this would have been so much better than what I put out Could have been in the playoffs last year. I would have definitely been in the playoffs last year. Like, it's ridiculous. They were playing a guy named Duck. Duck? I'd rather have Devlin out here or whatever they have Cardell Jones. Who's One guy like can't it. keep his helmet on and the <laughs> other one's a duck. You know, for what it's worth, you know, give the XFL a chance. Like, it's it's not bad. Like, if you, it's, it's fun to watch. If you just enjoy football as it is, it's good to watch. If you're thinking that you're going to watch NFL teams and that crisp and continuity, no, but it it's a but good it's watch. But it's not far off. No. It's not like it's terrible. It's not horrible. It And anybody who's watching it thinking XFL years ago, football. It's not that. It, it is not. It is football. If, if anything. So this is what's going to happen. The worst thing that will come out of the XFL is what happened last time. You got the sky cam. You got the on-field mics and the cameras and all that stuff. They're going to innovate again. Tell me the kickoff rule they have is not going to be applied to the NFL within the next five years. I love it because returns are up twice of what the NFL had percentage-wise. The NFL was in the mid-30s. They're over 60% in the XFL. What they do, they eliminate injury is... Because there's uh, no collisions. Yeah. So it, re- it encourages the return without worrying about a guy who's been running for 35 yards. I love it. And I saw a guy almost take one to the house, so you can't say that can't happen. Yeah. But that's a big part of it. And then we got to see Josh Johnson, who used to be in the NFL, convert the first ever three-point conversion. Yeah. Did you get a chance to at least see that? <laughs> that's a, that's a, no. All right, so I, the reason why I ask is I have to put an asterisk on it, much like the Astros. They... Lined up to go for three. So you have to declare that you're going for three, right? So if you go for one, it's from two yards out. If you go from two, it's at five. And at three, it's ten yards out. So they lined up to go for three. Well, the damn uh, Los Angeles team, I think they were playing, was offsides. So they got five yards, and they went for three from the five, and they converted. So it wasn't a true ten That's yards. That's not their fault. It's not. But – the first ever three-point conversion was done from only five yards out, not ten yards out. I think that some of the things that we see here could eventually become part of the NFL game. I mean, they're, here's what they're doing. They're, they're swapping out gimmicks for innovation. I truly believe like what they're trying to do is innovation. It's how can we make the game better. Now, at the end of the day, they haven't made it less than three hours like they've tried to do. Even though they have all the communication devices in everybody's helmet, they're trying to not huddle at all. They're, it's still three hours, but it's not bad. You know, one of the really cool things I like about it is that when we watch NFL games and it's replay and they go to commercial. Oh, is that's it there? the best part. you got like a controller for a PlayStation. He's got that. No, 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 no. It's an Xbox controller. Xbox, let's, be, let's be clear. It's an Xbox controller, and but they got a camera on him just rolling through it, and he's—it's just like we would do in a game that we're playing. Just the, it's the really NFL cool. is never going to do that, are they? No, no, you're <laughs> because never you know the Saints down. fans would burn the damn headquarters to the ground the second they go. Well, you know it's the Saints, so we can't give them this call. It's terrible, but I think it's amazing to listen to them sit there and talk it out, and, and like to hear their. And then, like, what's terrible is. Like Fox is bringing on their NFL or, um, official expert, right? 
And they're asking him, what does he think about the review call? And they're like, well, um, they kind of said what was happening. So I agree. <laughs> like, there's nothing to debate yeah. because everything's live and they can hear it. Eventually, the experts that come on to talk about the, the reviews, they're going to be done. They're not going to come on TV anymore because everything's already on. See, I think what could happen as you go forward, the NFL is always trying to enhance the in-game experience. It, it could become a thing where the NFL replay, we go to commercial in the stadium, you get to see that different type of stuff. At least to get you to come give me the, the split screen at least. Give me something. Anyway, DC Defenders, they're 2-0. and We'll continue to enjoy the march to 3-0. DC 2020. ladies and gentlemen joining us now is not just a former baseball player but we have a three-time all-star with us he's won four gold gloves two silver sluggers he's even led the league in rbis one time and i believe he might even be a best-selling author he wrote a, a book called home game big league stories from my life in baseball's first family but Mr. Brett Boone joins the We Don't Know Sports podcast now. Brett, how you doing, sir? Good. How you guys doing? Doing great. Man, we're doing all right. I'm sitting here with Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie, and we're definitely glad to get you in here right before we get into uh, baseball season. Uh, and you know what? We always try to do a little research on our guests, and I know, Mr. Brown, you, you had a, a specific question you kind of wanted to start with to ask uh, Brett, what, and what was that? Well, I wanted to go back way back in the time machine there to 2001. Eye-popping right. numbers there. You had 37 dingers, 141 RBIs, led the league in RBIs, and about a 331. W what stood out for you that year? I mean, you, you was like – that's like all-time, like, second-base season right there. Unbelievable season. Well, I'll tell you, I think uh, I think a lot of things, you know, as we, as we play and as we go through our career, um, it's different for different players. You know, as a young player, I was, I was always hungry and just wanted to play and – you know, everything was as fast and as hard as I could do everything. As I started to get older, um, you know, I started to really think about the, the, the mindset of being a, a baseball player. And I started looking at the great hitters, the hitters that I really respected. And right around that time, I, I got, I signed a contract back with the Seattle Mariners and, and a guy that for years as a rookie, I played with him, Edgar Martinez. Um, I, I was getting reunited with him. It was a perfect opportunity for me to kind of, go to Edgar and pick his brain a little bit. Like what, what's made Edgar so great over the years? What's, you know, he's won two batting titles. And, and I think at that time, uh, you know, in the early two thousands, uh, Edgar was obviously around baseball, one of the most respected, especially right-handed hitters. And that spring training, I went in with Seattle and, and really sat with him every day and just talk, you know, how do you think what, just give me your routine. What, what do you go through? You know, a process. And I kind of came up with my own process and, and it was really, uh, thinking the game through before I went to the plate. So, so that year, and we called it five deep, which means I'd always start thinking when I was fifth up that inning, uh, I'd think about who was hitting in front of me, who was hitting behind me. Um, you know, what my, what my history has been with the pitcher on the mound. What's the situation in the game? What have I done in this series? Uh, who's in the pen? Is there a lefty hitting behind me? Is there a righty? You know, Edgar was usually hitting behind me in those days. He did. I did third. He did fourth. So stuff like before and at bat say, Edgar, what's, what's your situation with this pitcher that's on the mound right now? What's your history with him? 
you know, and it could be, Hey Booney, you know, the last couple of years, this guy's had my number or man, I've been wearing this guy out. That gave me a little bit of insight of to, is he going to go after me or is he going to pitch around me a little bit? If Edgar owns him, he's probably going to come, come after me a little more aggressively. So that'll change my thought process. Long story short, Going to, when I left that on deck circle, once I got to this next level of thinking, not not to say it was this. I don't mean to sound next level, but but my approach to the game was I'd leave that on deck circle, and I didn't have a thought in my mind because I'd already gone through it, played out every scenario. I had a plan. I stuck to it. I try to tell the guys you know that I that I interact with today, and especially my son. I have a son that's a junior in college right now. And we talk about stuff like that. It's the game inside the game that's just so important. And in my time in Major League Baseball, the elite, elite guys all were thinking and uh, putting their practice into play. You know, in my time, the, the best guy I saw do it was Manny Ramirez. And he was unwavering. And I'd watch Manny, and I'd watch Manny, and he would set pitchers up. And he just stuck with his program, and you could tell that. You know, I'd go to a pitcher you'd strike out Manny a couple times early in the game and, you know, pitchers are feeling it could be a slider away. And I'd go to our staff and I'd say, be careful the next time you face Manny late in the game in a big situation, do not think you're going to get him out the same way. Cause he's basically sitting on your neck. And, uh, I respected that. And it really got me into the, the, the real, the posturing. And like I said, the, the deep mental, mental game that, that you can use to your advantage as a hitter. And that's what's crazy, too, even starting that then. I mean, and look how much now, even like 20 years later, with the analytics, how much it's even changed since then. It's crazy. I think so. And I, I think the analytics, you know, the only thing I have to, you know, I see the current players, and I, th- I think, you know, without a doubt, the fitness has gone to new levels, the training, oh, the, sure. the uh, preparation for the <laughs> season. I think the athletes are getting uh, more athletic because I think, kids nowadays start training at age 12 and 13 and going to nutritionists and, and specialty <laughs> training. Uh, so all this is an advantage. And I think as life goes on, that's human development. I think we're going to get better in all facets of life. And the analytics, I think we didn't have those in my day. My last year was 07. And the analytics, we were kind of on the cusp of coming into analytics. But I was, I was all about give me as much intel as you can give me. Give me as much video I want to know as much about my opponent as I possibly can to give myself the best chance with the approach I'm going to, I'm going to put into play out there. Uh, but today with, with the technology, as much as it, as much as it's advanced and I could just sit there with an iPad and basically go through every pitcher on that staff the night before. What, a, what a cool advantage to have. I, I'd be a, cause I was a, I was a geeky staff. I'd like to look at all the numbers and the video and, I'd be in my heyday right now if I had that on my fingertips back then. Um, I think we need, but I also think you, you, you've got to have that baseball gut that you're born with. Some people are born with and give me all the analytics you can give me. So, so I have an idea of tendencies of, uh, you know, whatever the algorithm may be, but there's also that high level thinking that we, we went over a little bit earlier about, it's not just that. It's that that pitcher on the mound, he knows. He's, he's got a memory of, of facing me this year and, and how we did it against each other. Did he get me out on a slider? Did he get me out on a fastball in? The only right. people in the stadium that really know that are me and him. 
So, so the outcome of an at bat could be strictly by by the results of five previous at bats, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just love. I would love to have the analytics that they have today when I was playing. But I also am such a student of the game, and I and I love that cat and mouse. And it could be, you know, from talking to a catcher. I used to hate walking up and and facing uh, the Red Sox with Veritech catching because man, he used to think with me. And for example, I come up with the bases, I come up with the bases loaded, and I take a fastball down the middle for a strike. And and Veritech would kind of look up at me. I use him as as an example. There were several. But he'd look at me, and he just kind of gave me that look that said, I know if you're looking for a fastball, you don't take that, that pitch. And now the game's on. Now the chess match begins. Right. And, and uh, you know, it made my job a little more difficult. But but those are the cool things in sport that, that really are, are, are kind of not talked about that often. So, you know, speaking of, of all the analytics and whatnot, and I, and I get what you're saying. It's kind of that, that kind of mutual compromise where – you know, the sabermetrics, all that stuff's important, but you're right. You still got to trust your gut, and it's that game within the game. So speaking of things like that, you know, you recently got a you got a job at MLB Network now, correct? Well, I know. I didn't get the job. I was on for uh, four episodes, and, and I hope in the next few weeks I'm going to be back on there and, and uh, hopefully working with them this season. But it was, it was my first time on the set kind of doing it from the podium. It was pretty cool. It was a good experience. They invited me out, and, and I flew out there, and I did it. And, you know, I met with some executives afterwards, and uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fun, um, you know, kind of starting to get back into the game now. I, I kind of stepped away from the game, and I've been doing some things. I've been raising kids. But, um, you know, I'm at the point now where my kids are getting a little bit older, and I want to jump back in the game. So uh, it was my first opportunity to get back in, and, and uh, hopefully a lot to come this year. Well, I got to tell you, you definitely seem like a natural up there. That's probably why we just jumped to the conclusion well, that you. you already had the job, right? Like, that's what we were thinking. So, and, and just to, to speak on how good of a multitasker you are, just exactly where are you right now? What are you doing as we're talking to you? I'm at the gym. You know, I was just at my kids' baseball game, and now I shot over to the gym. I knew we had a Skype. I'm not. Re- I'm new to this Skype stuff. You're doing so great, though. You're doing a good early. job. You're doing great. Uh, you know, I'll get I'll get dinner for the kids a little bit later, and uh, I got a radio show about a half hour away later tonight. So, see, you're 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 a man of many hats, and uh, I, I'm sure it's just <laughs> going to keep getting bigger, especially if you keep dipping yeah. the toe back in the water. So, one of the yeah. things we really wanted to ask you about, you know, we we talked about that great year you had back in 2001, but let's go ahead and fast forward you know all the way to to 2017 now where you know we were talking about technology and how it has an impact on the game and and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention at least the Houston Astros situation and we would really just like to hear your thoughts on that and what you what you think of the whole situation as it's kind of unfolding here in front of us well my answer is about 50 fold but uh you know in in this situation I think what we need to be careful to not do in this situation is, is to speak without all the facts um, because then it becomes a conspiracy theory. And I've heard them all that, that Altuve had a clicker on his chest that, you know, there's, there's earpieces. Um, if the facts come out and, and that is true, that is way over a line and the punishment needs to be, uh, Pretty severe, I think. But I want to be really careful not to 
speak on, on like I'm sitting behind the scenes and I have all the facts because I don't. I'm right. hearing what everybody else is hearing. You know, a big tell for me was um, I believe it was Beltron uh, who just got, you know, they, they went their separate ways with the Mets. And he was quoted as saying in 2017 when he came into the, the Astros locker room of he couldn't believe how far behind the sign stealing game the Astros were. For me, that's a tell that not too many people are talking about to say, this is a widespread thing. Here's Beltron. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know if these are facts. I just saw this as a quote, and it was attributed to Beltron. So if that is true, that's a big tell for me as a player, thinking this isn't just an Astros thing. It was brought to the Astros. Now, the Astros are a great team. They've had a lot of success. You know, you hear the trash can banging and all that. Uh, as a player, I know truly that, if I'm playing second base, one of my main jobs was to, to be aware of what was going on in the game. If you're banging trash cans, I'm going to be on you within one hitter. Change the I'm going to hear something man. I don't like coming out of – I'm going to hear something coming out of a dugout, and my ear is going to be keen to that. If I hear it again on a slider, I'm going to go to the mound, and I'm going to tell that, you know, my pitcher and my catcher, let's mix up the signs here. I'm on to something. I want to see if, this, if I'm not just hearing things. And all of a sudden we switch up the signs and we get them to bang it when they think it's a slider it's a fastball – now I'm going to go to the mountain, and now we're going to have a problem, and now we handle it how we're supposed to handle things. That's right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I hate to say you're going to get hit in the neck, but you're going to get hit in the neck. Right. You, I've been hit hey, in the neck. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I think, um, you know, I don't want, want to seem like an old man and say, oh, how dare they do this and that. The science stealing has been around forever, but it's always been from the human Right, not the, the technology sport. involved the way it is. Here. So if if my if my first base coach and my third base coach, if that catcher gets lazy and his legs are open and they can see a sign and I can get a sign, I want it if you got it. If I had a guy at second base that's really good at deciphering signs and and picking up on on tendencies and he's got the signs, I want them. Bearing in mind that if I get caught receiving a sign or giving a sign, I'm going to be in trouble and, and and I have been and I've been hit for it and basically. <laughs> That's your consequence, you know, going in. That's the game inside the game. And I think being that, you know, back when, when I finished playing, we were dealing with flip phones. So we didn't have, your, you know, we didn't have the technology that's out there today. And I know in sport, you're always going to find one way to stay ahead. So first and foremost, let's get the facts. I, I want the facts in front of me before I start throwing around these accusations and, oh, they should take this away or you should have won the world series i think all that's nonsense i um, agree with you you can't my, you can't act like it didn't happen right the layman approach would be oh they were getting signs they had every pitch for 162 games that's just not realistic maybe a pitch here or two you know a pitch here and there and it definitely that's an advantage and if you're using some sort of electronic device like i said that's definitely crossing a line right. um but I don't really want to get deep into it until I have all the facts. I think baseball's done a – I don't think the Astros have done a very, very good job. The PR job they did <laughs> when they came out and did the press conference, reading from a newspaper. Um, yeah, you know, and I don't like, like I said, this. Like I said, I don't like to be the old player coming down on the younger players and the current players. But I'm just thinking for myself, if I got caught doing something like that, I go to the podium, I throw my hands in the air, and I say, I'm sorry, man. And we got to get back back to business as the 2020 season is upon us. Apologize, give me some sincerity, move on. And the only thing that fixes all this is winning. But but I thought that 
the press conferences and the reading from the podium, um, I think the Astros did a didn't do a very good job, and, and it wasn't it didn't come across well. It didn't come across as genuine at all. And I think as you know, you're seeing the 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 backlash from the fans who have every right. I mean, fans are why we play. The reason we have, you know, the the players are in the position today and, and to make the living that we make on the field is because of the fans. And if they're pissed, they're pissed. When something like this happens, you've been caught. Obviously, obviously the commissioner has some sort of evidence or, or managers wouldn't be fired. Managers wouldn't be walking away. So obviously they got something. I mean, and those players know what they have. And I think in that situation, you just got to throw your hands up and say, I'm not reading off any cue cards. I'm really sorry. And I got to show some remorse, some genuine remorse. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You had Bregman and Altuve both at their press conference when spring training started. I felt like they were reading a scripted speech to the crowd there, 30 seconds apiece. And then that didn't help their cause. It made it worse. And then you had, like you said, fans were pissed off. And even current players were pissed off. And they're like, you know, you're taking yeah. awards away. You've ended people's careers. I think that's a bit of a stretch in a sense because, like you said, get all the facts together. But the players this time have came out and they've went nuts not like back when they had a steroid scandal and everybody kind of kept quiet, but players generally voiced their opinions, even like Mike Trout. Yeah, and I, and I listened to Trout, and I thought Mike, who's a very close to the vest guy, is a pretty soft-spoken guy. So it's a big thing for Mike to say anything. I thought he was classy the way he said it. Uh, you know, I've heard a few people in the interview that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, it's the glass houses thing for me. You know, it's when a pitcher's coming at me with something, it's glass houses back at you. Right. Um, so, like I said, I think we need to we need to get the facts, man. We need, we need to find out what really, truly went on. And then we can decipher an appropriate – you know, I think it's been handled – really mishandled by MLB. You know, I think what happened is and – I, and I know Tony Clark and Tony Clark's uh, – you know, I played against Tony Clark. He's a great human being, great player. He's the head of the union right now. His job is to protect his players. So I see what happened in that scenario is Manfred went to Tony Clark. Tony Clark's job is to protect his players. He got immunity for the players. Manfred, I think, hasn't done a great job with how he's communicated (laughs) publicly. So basically, Tony was keeping the players' best interest. And just the way everything was handled on on all ends, uh, it's kind of blown up in their face. And it's been a PR nightmare. I don't know if it gets to the point where all the investigations that went on behind the scenes has got to be put out in the public. If it gets that big and the backlash is that bad, I know that these players are going to have their work cut out for them. I, 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 I first want to say, I think I've watched the Astros and they're an astute team. And I can just see by watching them. These are great players. These are great hitters. Doesn't make it right. If, if things that people are saying about them are true, definitely should be punished for it but the bottom line for them is they've they're going to have a, a tough year out there they are and you know people are going to be you know people are going to be throwing at them for sure but you know back to what you're right, saying and, about and, the and, players union though is we wouldn't even have an investigation if they wouldn't have given the players immunity, a lot of people were upset that these players haven't been punished for whatever role they may have had, but we wouldn't even right. have all this information if they wouldn't have gone to the players union to be able to get that immunity. So we could actually get to the bottom of what happened. 
Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I, but I, but I, you know, it's easy to sit back and critique everything, every move that was made. I can see Tony's situation is I got to protect my players at all costs. Uh, but by Manfred and the whole interaction and how it played out was not how they thought it was going to play out. Not at and, all. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it was just Manfred. I don't think it was just Tony Clark. I think it was the Astros how they handled it. And, and still, you know, the the backlash as bad as it is. Somebody's got to step up to the mic in a prevalent position, you know, a high-profile player, and just basically come clean and show us some honesty. Now I'm sitting back here. I'm a fan. I want to see some remorse on your face. You know, I want to see some genuine, just some genuineness. Just tell me that you really, it's not that you got caught. It's all this is happening. All this that is happening to you right now is changing how you think about it. And it made you think about some decisions you made. Believe me, I'm a farthest thing. I got glass houses all over the place. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. You know, not professionally, but we all do. We all have skeletons in our closet, and and it's just. But but a lot of times we learn, and as we get older and as we mature, we learn from our mistakes. And and some things I did when I was 16 years old, I look and I go, you know, I learned from that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And, and I think each stage of our life, we, we come to a crossroads. And, and I just think that's what the fans want to see. That's what the people want to see is those Astros players that are great players. And that team, that is a great team. Step up, be accountable for what happened, and show us that you're genuinely sorry and you've thought this through and you want to be a better person and a better player going forward. I think that's all you can do, lay honesty on the table and see what happens. But until that happens, uh, that backlash can be pretty bad. Right, absolutely. I feel like we could talk about the Astros and what happened all day long. Real quick, if you got any kind of insider knowledge that we may not have, you got any bold predictions for 2020 that you think it might, might happen that we should be looking out for? Give us a hot take, Brett. Come on. <laughs> hot take. <laughs> not to put you on the spot or anything. Well, I'll tell you this. I think uh, – well, I'll tell you. I, I've got, obviously, I'm going to be biased with the Yankees and Aaron. It doesn't hurt that they just acquired the best pitcher in the world in Garrett Cole. <laughs> That's not a real bad bias, actually. They they look pretty good, Brett. I'm just saying. <laughs> They're pretty good on paper. You know, I see that Paxton went down. He's going to miss some time. Severino, I think, could be a short-term. Uh, you know, he's got some forearm stiffness, the beginning of spring training. That's quite common. But if, if the Yankees uh, stay healthy, um, I see they're the best team in baseball. I see the Dodgers improving this year, and they've been right on the cusp the last few years. Definitely the class of the National League. But I think with the with the addition of Betts, uh, that really puts them at another level. Not only now you've got another another super bona fide top five player in the world uh, to add to your lineup, and it was already a great lineup. Um, you lose uh, Maeda, but you replace him with Price. I think Burley at the top of the rotation is about as dominant as it gets outside of like a Scherzer or Cole. Kershaw is going to be right there. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they replace Rue. You know, I don't know if Urias is going to step in in a starting role. I think, you know, and I think the pressure is going to be on Houston, obviously an unsurmountable amount of pressure. And I think everybody's going to pull for them to fail so they can say, see, it was because of the cheating. you got to take into account, Verlander's not getting any younger. Grinke's not getting any younger. And you lost the best pitcher in the world. That's going to affect your, your team a little bit. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and surprised people and won 100 games again. Sometimes teams come together when there's a big scandal or controversy. That'll be interesting to see. I think the Diamondbacks improve this offseason. are going to be a good team. Who knows with the Milwaukee, Tampa Bay with a with the the two main guys. Um, help me out, Snell and Glass now. If they can pitch like they can pitch, they got to be reckoned with. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I don't have any hot takes for you. You know, I I got a brother over there in New York, but but he's pretty close to the best. He doesn't give Big Brother any tips. I agree with you 100%. When when the Dodgers got bets, everyone wanted to say – they're the clear favorite to win the World Series. They're a great team, but to me, I felt like the Yankees were just They're a bit the above. They're not the Yankees. Right, right, I agree. Right. I felt like the Yankees lineup, bullpen, and starting rotations better than the Dodgers. Well, I think overall, and if you look through the history of baseball, it goes through, you know, we go through through hitting spells where the hitting's up here, and you go through pitching spells where, where the pitching dominates. I think it's the same thing when it goes to the National League and the American League. And lately, the American League has flat out just been a better league recently. Right. Five years from now, we could talk about National League kind of being a dominant league. But right now, the American League as a whole is a better team with, or is a better league with better teams, in my opinion. But the cream of the crop, without a doubt, for the last two or three years in the National League has definitely been to the Dodgers. And uh, they're going to be knocking on the door again this year, and, and we'll see if they can break through. I think if the Yankees stay healthy, and everybody lives up and plays the way they're capable of playing, I don't see anybody being better than them. And that has nothing to do with with, uh, young Boone at the helm. (laughs) Sure it doesn't. Nah, you know what? Like we said, we were talking earlier before we had you on. On paper, they they look pretty damn good. And and I I don't know if anybody can actually uh, hold a candle to them because they were good on offense last year. All they've done is upgrade pretty much everywhere. So it's the Yankees and everybody else right now. I agree with that. But, Brett, hey, man, we appreciate having you on. But before we let you go, uh, we at least wanted to, you know, I, I guess send our condolences to some families out there. Uh, you know, you had a friend of yours that recently passed away with Tony Fernandez. And, you know, we definitely wanted to, you know, send our thoughts and prayers out there uh, and definitely, you know, send them to you, too, because we know you were friends with him and didn't know if uh, you, you felt like you could, if you want to share any specific story or anything about well, Tony, just so people could get to know it, him maybe a little better. It, you know, there's certain people in your career and, and uh, you know, growing up in that with, with dad playing for 19 years and, and being in the clubhouses my whole life, then playing my career, I was pretty fortunate. I got to meet a lot of players. Absolutely. And there's not too many players. There's not that too many players that really leave an impact on you. You know, the great players, you know, the best player I ever played with is Ken Gifford Jr. Uh, of course, I'm never going to forget that. Sure. But there's certain players that that had an impact that I remember. And when I saw that Tony passed away and, and I probably haven't talked to Tony in five or six years and I only played with him one year and it was 1994 and in Cincinnati. But when I saw that, I just kind of took a moment and it, and it was kind of a sad moment for me. Cause I just thought, wow, now that's one of the kindest human beings I've ever been around. And, and that's dead honest truth. I enjoyed my time with Tony. He was a sweet man. He was, he was a man of faith. He was a, he had dry humor that was funny. He was a talented player. He played third base for us. And I just got to play one year with him in 1994. But, but he had an impact. And, and, uh, and when he passed away, it just made me think about the fun times that I had with Tony that year. And, and it was a brief, brief year. But, uh, man, what a good man. And like I said, one of the kindest 
one of the kindest players I ever had the honor of being a teammate of, and uh, he'll be missed. He, he he had a big impact on this game. Absolutely. Well, we definitely appreciate you sharing that, you know, personal impact there. Uh, but above everything else, Brett, we, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show tonight. And, you know, we'll see what we can do. We'll try to pull some strings there on the uh, MLB network and see if we can help you get that full-time <laughs> gig. Uh, I mean, I thought you looked pretty damn good on TV. But, uh, man, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, th- I thought I did really well. <laughs> hey, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will hey, tell. Let's keep in touch, man, as, as uh, baseball season kind of unfolds this year. Maybe we'll bring you back on. But uh, I know you're busy. Keep uh, keep getting them kids around. Keep uh, doing what you're doing. And don't miss the gym visits, man. you got to keep doing that, too. You're not getting any younger. You got it. Hey, I'm already short. I don't want to be short and fat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brett. We appreciate you, brother. You have a wonderful rest of your evening, All right, man. guys. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. It's very rare that we ever get a chance to talk about the sport of combat or boxing or UFC or whatever it may be. And while we've had Conor McGregor return to the octagon, it's time now that we focus on the squared circle itself. Deontay Wilder. And Biggie, what the hell do you want to say? It's the sweet science. The sweet Get it science. right. I'm sorry. We'll focus on the sweet science of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. What's happening here? We are you, we're watching the fight, right? Like we're going to be here. If, should we do Facebook Live? I think, so. I think we need to. We we should tell everybody what's happening. We'll do our own scorecards. How about that? I'd enjoy that. <laughs> Who's winning this fight? Tyson Fury has WWE experience. <laughs> I think that we're getting an RKO in the seventh round. I have voices in my head. They talk to me. I hate to be a voice of reason, guys, but uh, you've seen uh, the Great White Hope. That's exactly what this is. White men don't do anything in boxing. <laughs> this isn't the 50s. This ain't Rocky Marciano. It's this, Damon it, Wayne. This is a baby. big, thick Tyson Fury going to get his ass kicked by Wilder. Write it down. Wilder's winning this fight because he's black and he's going to win. <laughs> well, I, I feel like this fight <laughs> could turn out mad. to be. It's the truth. This is uh, Mike Tyson being Wilder versus Hurricane Peter McNeely. Oh, wait. Fair. That's not even he fair. he smacked his ass that's, like that last time. That's he's gonna not do even it fair. Again. So first of all, first of all, for you lesser thans, Tyson Fury hasn't lost a fight. All right, let's be clear about that. Both undefeated. Deontay Wilder probably will win. But, like, look, this is what you want. You want a heavyweight fight that will go to the distance. So, like, get all your jokes and your ha-has out of the way. I'm glad you got it out of your system. But this is going to be epic. This is going to be where you get to watch two guys who are 200-plus pounds throw haymakers at each other. It makes it better because he's European, so it's more intriguing. Bye bye, Crackay. Yeah. Hey. Hello, Governor. Have you hidden my title? <laughs> if you think of a, in a heavyweight division, it's been since uh, mid to late nineties with it's Tyson Lennox, Lennox Lewis. Lewis. Is it Vladimir Klitschko? Maybe, but that's oh what. no, that was he was a paper and champion. Yawn. You know, and and this is what boxing needs. And, and like, look, if the heavyweights aren't interesting, then nothing is, right? Like nobody pays attention to. Anything else? If if boxing's going to have a rebirth on the scene of fighting, they, you know, they've lost out so much to the UFC, this fight's got to go the distance or close to it and be that one that At brings everyone back in. Eight rounds. For the record, we, we, we did a poll on our page, and 
after a hundred hundreds of votes, you got Fury, fifty seven percent favorite to forty three that, over that's Wilder. That's crazy. Like I think Wilder's winning this, right? Fifty seven percent think that uh, <clears throat> the big white hope's going to win. Like I've seen Fury fight. Like, and if he wins, it's not that surprising. But let's be honest, Wilder is by far the superior physical specimen. He's in better shape, better condition. Wilder or, or Fury's been away from the sport for what two years? Like, when's the last time he actually boxed with somebody? I'm not talking about going to Saudi Arabia for Super Showdown with the WWE. That don't count. I'm glad that you're able to beat the Big Show, whoever the hell he wrestled. No, this is real. This is boxing. It's not happening. Deontay Wilder walking out less than eight rounds. Knockout, baby. I'm telling you right now. I, I did see on ESPN that uh, Fury's defense on uh, punches is quicker. He reacts to a punch in .16 seconds, which is the equivalent <laughs> of a pitcher throwing a fastball at 200 miles an hour and having to react to it. So he does have some defense, but he's going to need a lot of defense. Oh, uh, And he will. And I'm going to tell you this much about, about Tyson Fury. I'm pulling for him. I like him as a character. I like what he says. I like how he talks. I like how he approaches his fights. He's good for TV. If you want to put butts in the seats, he's the guy you want. Deontay Wilder, as cool as he is, as athletic as he is, he's not flashy. Like, he's the guy that's telling you he don't even want to be the bad guy. He wants to be the good guy because he helps all these people. He He's not that guy. You've got to watch the recent press conference. I need to. It got out of hand. So anyone that's not really excited for this fight, watch that press conference. They get into it. They push each other. They they say a lot of uh, good <laughs> stuff, and uh, you'll be excited. It's a four-and-a-half-minute video, and you're going to walk away like, damn, I want to watch this fight. Watch the fight. Buy it on pay-per-view or come to Mr. Brown's house and watch it for free. Controversial as the first decision was being a split decision leading to the rematch. Uh, <laughs> Wilder is a slight favorite in this one, and I think the three of us would be on the Wilder boat here if we were to put some money on like, this. yeah if i'm putting money on it yeah. now i'm rooting for for fury because i think he's he's better for the sport of boxing i think he's a better mouthpiece he's a better figurehead but like look at wilder though man he's built like a brick shit house man he's a stud he's probably gonna win i will say this win or lose fury is donating his purse to the poor so he uh, has an extra incentive fan base god the gypsy king gonna donate his shillings to the paw Hello, Governor. Have you hid my hatchet? <laughs> All we need is Teddy Atlas and Max Kellerman. Now. Is Teddy Atlas still doing this stuff? Is he still alive? I, he's. Don't do that to me. Okay. Uh, Teddy Atlas is not dead. He's still alive, and I'm pretty sure he's probably talking about this fight right now somewhere. <laughs> Well, it's that time of the show where we always decide to talk about pop culture. And I feel like we got a lot in common here, so I don't know if we're going to venture out into the the realms of, of all the unknown here. What is this Ben Affleck movie that we just saw about basketball bigs? What what was I seeing on TV a second ago? I believe it's called The Way Back. The Way Back. Like The Way Back or The Way Back? The Way Back for Affleck himself. <laughs> Has the... Uh, from what I've seen from the trailer, I would watch a movie. I think it's going to be pretty good. But 
great high school basketball player, but pushed really hard by his dad to the point where he didn't love the game anymore. So let me ask you this. This will really weigh in my decision whether or not I like this movie. Who is better, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck? Uh, Matt Damon. Ooh, I like how you went there. That was good. I agree with that, so I will reserve judgment on this Ben Affleck basketball drama that's about to be released. Matt Damon, Goodwill Hunting, Rounders. Oh, that, I mean, right there. What about The Martian? Did you like The Martian? I don't really get into that extra. Did you not watch The Martian? Extra. Have you seen The Martian? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you seen The Martian, Mr. Brown? No. Why am I around, idiots? Watch The Martian. Have you not seen the freaking Martian? It's Matt Damon's best movie ever. I love Goodwill Hunting. Multiply it by 15. It's on the list, okay? It's on the list. You just made the list, Matt Damon. <laughs> Look, it's fantastic. How have you not seen The Martian? It's been out for a while. You guys are, ca- we can't be friends anymore. Why can't we be friends? No, I, this is why. It's more of a blessing than a curse. It's no. Well, you're cursed. You don't get to have the privilege of Chad the Mark being in your lives going forward. So, now you have to walk through. You know, the, the only uh, thing that changes there is you're still an asshole. You're just not our asshole. No, it doesn't matter. I can't believe you haven't seen The Martian. It's a fantastic movie. He eats potatoes with Vicodin. How is that not entertaining? You mentioned Vicodin. I'm in now. Oh, of course. <laughs> I bring you back in with that. Uh, ah. All right. Let's reset here and try to get back to some pop culture significance. So we've talked about a lot of things lately. But yeah, I think, what all have we talked about lately? Planet of the Apes, Ford versus Ferrari, Dracula. I mean, just just many things. Biggie, you haven't been on the show for several weeks. So what is your pop culture contribution you want to develop right now? I have no contributions to life in general. <laughs> I will just fantastic. say, having seen the second Jumanji, it sucked <laughs> true to... You stole all the bars. Sequel suck. That's all I wanted to say. That sequel didn't suck. It wasn't as good as the original. Well, nothing's ever good as the original, but if you didn't think the second Jumanji was still... F- or I guess the third. I don't know how you say it. It was still fun. No, I laughed and I enjoyed it, but it was not as good as the first. Well, that's fine, but was it a good movie? Yes. You don't. You didn't think The Rock trying to do a Danny DeVito accent was, uh, you know, at least comical. It was really out of place. It was like he tried to lift too much and urinate well, himself. You urinate himself. Herniated. Well, well herniated. I'm sorry. What was the the kid's name? Spencer, is that you? <laughs> I was I was rolling. That was great. And I'll be honest with you, and I know my wife probably listens to this sometimes, but the girl in Jumanji, oh my God. Like, come on. Ruby Roundhouse? Yes. Ruby Roundhouse. Smoking hand. <laughs> Smoking hot dance fighter. Yes, that one. <laughs> it's a great movie. So regardless of what you feel about the original Jumanji, the the last one and the sequel here of the last one, it's been pretty fun. I mean, it's good stuff. I know we just stole Mr. Brown's like pop culture. Yeah, I mean, we was all about Biggie going 1917, and he flipped he didn't the want to go there. 
and he went to mine. So, you know, I just won't participate in this segment this week. Well, we can jump to 1917 because I've seen it. Have you watched it all the way through? I have not seen it, but we can pretend like it's mine. All right, we can pretend like it's Mr. Brown. So 1917, I will say right now, (laughs) as as you punch Biggie in the side of the temple. I'm just glad his neck's still broken right now. He really hit me. He can still put some uh, torsion. 1917 might be the best war movie of all time. It's going to go up there with The Longest Day and Saving Private Ryan. Like, it's that good. What I would compare 1917 to as a movie as a whole is the the intro scene in Saving Private Ryan when they're landing on the beach. Yeah, when they're landing on Normandy. Rave reviews, right, of how realistic it was. 1917 was that for almost two hours. And this is World War One. Right, so this is a little different. This is trench warfare, no man's land, mustard gas, all that kind of jazz that goes into it. But it, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, I mean, the, fantastic. The way that it finished out, the the realism there, it was just it was beautiful. I like, loved it. Like if you like, did you like Dunkirk? It's better than Dunkirk. Yes, and Dunkirk was a great movie. Hacksaw Ridge, it's it's better than Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, for me, it's right up there. Like Saving Private Ryan for me is a movie with having my grandfather army infantry in World War II. You kind of think back to those times like you're a little closer to even though Absolutely. you're not. Uh, when I watched 1917, it just it blew me away. It felt like I was there over the shoulder watching. Phenomenal movie. Great job. If you haven't seen 1917, you're doing yourself a disservice. Now, I don't know if everyone is able to see that yet. I know we've watched it. I don't know if it's available on DVD or if it's on pay-per-view or whatever is going on. But soon as it is, you need to watch it because it is epic. And I'm not a big proponent of war movies. There's a lot of war movies I do not like. But this one is right up there with the best of them. You need to give it a chance. It's phenomenal. And it's one of those movies where you don't even have to be invested into the actors or actresses that are involved. Overall, it's just phenomenal cinematography, great storytelling. Watch it. It's fantastic. That's all I can say. But that's all we got for pop culture. Because you kind of already stole Mr. Brown's. I did. Big time. Now I'm just sulking in the corner. So instead, we can just sit there and talk about how isn't on this many days ago that wasn't Happy Gilmore coming from behind on Shooter McGavin. Isn't that what happened? That was this week, yes. That was this week. This week. He played for Chubbs. He played for Chubbs 23 years ago. Right. Never forget. Right. Never forget. Is that the same time he whooped Bob Barker's ass? It, it, that was, well, that was no, not. No, he got his butt kicked, didn't he? Well, you know. Bob Barker said the price is wrong, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and he, he that stiff right cross. Dude, those jabs, it. man. It was a bunch of left jabs followed by the right cross. He was uh, like, look, Bob Barker, is he dead? That's usually a question reserved for me. I I think he's alive. He's alive. Ooh, Biggie's not sure. Someone Google this real quick. Either way, Bob Barker, alive or dead, he would probably kick all of our ass. Is that fair to say? Wait, let's see. We're going to end the show on... 96 Yes! He's alive! Hustle, Mr. Brown! Think he thought he was dead! Ha 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 ha!